0: This is Universal Soul Love, this is Detective David Love, and Dr. Lana Love, and you were just listening to Swamp Boogie, which uh, comes from the great rock musical, Island of Dr.
1: Moron. Fantastic show.
0: So we're very happy to be here today, and uh, we have with us a special guest, Chris Dockrell, who's a
2: director of the Island of Dr. Moron. Chris. Hi, Lana. Hi, David. Welcome to Universal Soul Love. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here.
0: And we're very excited to promote this amazing Australian rock musical, which is captured on film. Uh, Just blew me away. Just amazing, amazing talent, you know, Mm -hmm. songs, acting.
1: We got to see this several months ago um, in Armadale. It was playing in a movie theatre. It was turned into a live movie. It was fan- very unusual, very, and it's fantastic, all the characters and, and the themes which we're going to get into, and we loved Robert, Brother Bob. Yeah, yeah. Classic.
2: Um Yeah, yeah um, so I know this is going out across the world, so um, maybe the listeners might be interested in knowing that Dr. Moron started as a school musical like a lot of famous rock musicals start in, in the world, uh, we started in a little town called Kempsey in New South Wales um, in Australia. Um, it was so popular, we had people, adults, coming back with four out of five shows. And my wife and I um, realised that we were on a winner. And so we put it on a shelf, waited till we finished our teaching careers, which we were very passionate about, and then went out into the world and created a professional live production of the show, it was a much leaner and meaner production than the school show. Um, it ran for four weeks in the heart of Sydney with a cast of professional actors, singers, and dancers. Um, during that four-week season, once again we had many people coming back skiting that they'd seen the show five, six, seven times. They loved <laughs> it. every time they went away. They would bring back more people to see it. We filmed the show extensively over the four-week season and then spent 10 months in the studio in um, 2015, um, sifting through the reams and reams of um, of material that we had, and we produced the first and only cinematic film of a live rock musical in Australia. So then it went on the road. It's been over, over most of Australia, and you guys were lucky enough to see it in another country town called Armidale, um, it started its journey 200 metres from the Sydney Opera House, which people from all over the world would know where that sort of sort of is. Mm. Uh, yeah, so we've been to major cinemas, small country halls with it. Thousands of people have seen it. And we're now um, doing the world. We did London in um, February, Canada in March, and we're in Nice in about two weeks' time, two weeks before the Cannes Film Festival. So there's a potted
1: history of it amazing successful film, uh play film, uh, just incredible. And and I should mention we're we're broadcasting on the BBS radio network, one of the largest, most popular alternative uh, talk radio shows on the internet right now and probably for a long time to come. So we're very excited to be bringing the Island of Dr. Moore onto BBS radio for to, our listeners. To an
0: international yes. audience and for our, our listeners and viewers. We have, uh, uh, at the back of you, we have a very wild-looking uh, Dr. Moron there, and uh, this is Voodoo Velma here.
2: Voodoo Velma's looking over my shoulder. Um, yes, Voodoo Velma is the, is the voodoo queen, what's bad and mean, and she she leads a band of um, sort of r- crazy Rastafarian um, natives who live on the island and... Um, Yes Valmer is actually one of the two key key characters in 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 the film on the play um Dr Moron being the other one and um there's one point there where Dr Moron is really he's he's insulting her and and putting her down, saying she's just nothing but a you know a person who puts pins into dolls and um so she actually bounces back at Dr Moron with a beautiful song called It Ain't Easy, Being a Voodoo Queen. And I think we we might cut to that so your listeners can hear a little bit of it, okay? I love that. Let's do it. That
0: was beautiful. I
2: love the songs. The,
0: the songs are so original and yet they're sort of almost classics, you know? Velma's a
1: great character and, and the performer was excellent. She's um, got that, you know, she has a certain kind of, she's got this sexuality where she's sort of, Trying to tempt um, Dr. Moron, and he seems to have no interest in her, and they seem to have this competitive um, thing going—a relationship. <laughs> she, I, you know, and they, and at the end they end up battling it out. Dr. Moron's creatures and the um, natives, which so was pretty exciting. M- maybe
0: we should just summarise: the plot is that these two people are shipwrecked in a in a mysterious South Sea island. Mm. They're captured by a crazy tribe of voodoo natives. Um, who are headed by the larger-than-life voodoo Velma. They're drugged with jungle fever juice. They're almost cooked in a sacrificial cauldron. They're then auctioned off by this guy, this slave-market junkie, whip-cracking rubber gloves character.
1: Reminiscent of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's I think right. A, a
0: bit. They're then bought by Dr. Moron, who wants to buy new experimental subjects because his thing in life is to convert uh-huh
1: humans into animals which is a uh, great theme wonderful. For, for us being an investigator and a psych, psychiatrist can <laughs> get into that for there's a there's behavior. a
0: wonderful brother bob and um uh, and uh, there, there's a theme of you know um, what is human, what is animals, right. and uh, you know the, letting the beast out in all of us. Mm. That's right. And it's 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 a bit reminiscent of um, uh, I think there's a, another play called Doctor um, Yeah, and of
1: Doctor Moreau.
0: Moreau, where he he changes. Beasts into humans, so and this genetic is a, mutations. Yes. Mm. So, oh, uh, which is another wonderful song, "Genetic Mutation." Can we, uh, can we hear that?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, look, just before we intro it, um, I'll, I'll just mention that. Um, yeah, "Genetic Mutation." If you look at the, the dancing in "Genetic Mutation," you will see that is the image that I had that started this crazy journey. Um, I just finished another rock musical called Chill, about an intergalactic property, property developer called Jimmy Slees. And um, anyway, I just thought, how do I come up with something better than this? And seriously, this this idea of mutated beings dancing on the stage was where it all started. And yes, I must have been channeling the Island of Dr. Moreau. Um, <laughs> that, that's that's kind of where the similarity between the two storylines starts and finishes, because as mm-hmm. you mentioned, Lana, our Dr. Moron uh, is nothing like Dr. Moreau. Dr. Moreau was trying to ele- trying to find the key to humanity um, by elevating animals to an, a human-like state, whereas our Dr. Moron wants to reduce um, <laughs> humans to a bestial state and so that they are driven by their base um, desires. Um, and, and you can see from little little quips that doc, the doctor makes he 's not too impressed with humanity um, there 's one point there where one of his failures um, is holding up his hands and, he, and doctor says always the humanity creeps back like a <laughs> <is." laughs> yeah. anyway we'll cut to genetic mutation, and uh, your to. viewers can get an idea of what it 's all about.
1: I love it. It's got great. It's a great song, it rocks. Yes. I think our, our listeners will relate to this in the spiritual community and the activist community. It's uh, about human nature. And of course, we're, I think we're trying to do the opposite on universal soul love. We're trying to raise the vibration of humanity, but this is a really interesting philosophical conversation i'm not sure we're going to get that deep into it but
0: well well in fact i mean who's to say that animals aren't higher than us because they are oh. very they're mindful they're always in the sure. moment they um you most animals do not murder there's only i think one species of animals that will commit a murder mm. um so yeah, the,
2: <laughs> really yes yeah, so they're very close to us on the ladder, aren't they? Uh, yes, that's interesting, isn't
0: it? So, I mean, in some ways, maybe animal spirits can be higher than humans I, uh, because of their purity.
1: You could be right, yeah, I think so. we are certainly exactly. we've got the superiority complex going. We're not higher than animals. I mean, with in creating Dr. Moron, I I
2: deliberately tried to keep it simple. Um, I, I I don't know if people look, look up what I've done. I've written a lot of plays. Um, and most of them are very serious, very serious thematic undertones. With our musicals, however, I really believe that when people go to musicals, they go there to have fun. And, it, mm-hmm. and I was really chuffed that um, one of the major luminaries who have endorsed our show is Matthew Riley, who is mm-hmm. an international bestseller, and his line oh, of endorsement was, if you want a good night out, go and see Moron, More on, more on <laughs> fun. And um, – Another good friend of mine who's in the industry, he came out and he said, "I get it now. It's life-affirming, because mm. you just you just go down this pipeline of craziness, driven by wild music and great dancing, and you come out the other end. You've got to be smiling. You've got to have, you know, you you have to have enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's you what,
2: felt that, that. I mean, yeah. that night, that night at um, Armadale, yeah. that you
1: could Look, feel it." Yeah. That's it. We would, we went out to have fun. We were looking for just some entertainment, you know, not a lot of intellectual stimulation because we get enough of that between the two of us with our professions. So, I mean, we've got people, come guests coming on our show with a lot of serious intellectual conversations, discussions all the time. So, we're, you know, we... When we go out to see a movie we really just want to break
0: I mean it's, and, it's fun just talking about it I mean yeah. it's, it's got everything it's got the 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 interesting theme it's got the yeah. great characters it's got fantastic music
1: Let's get great visually
0: energy. it's amazing and and the way that you've actually put it together in a film I, I believe you used a huge number of cameras but you you it actually makes you feel like you're in the film. Mm. I don't know how
2: you did it. Yeah, very unusual. But That is Excellent. a really common, a common um, comment that we get. In fact, in one of our Vox Pops, um, people can see it online, um, there's a, an older couple who, and the gentleman says, I, I saw the live show and I loved it, but seeing the film made me feel like I was inside it. And I thought that was fantastic. That was so that's exactly what we tried to do, Lana. Is um smash through the fourth wall. You know, there's the, mm. the imaginary fourth wall between the stage and the audience. We wanted to put the um, viewing audience of the film up there on the on the stage with the characters, and we we did just that. Um, I'm just thinking that um, would you like to hear a little bit from the Doctor himself with, with his us too. and um, it. Uh, might give your audience um, a bit of an insight into what sort of a crazy man we're dealing with. So we'll cut to more on rules, okay?
0: Yes, he certainly is a character. Uh, I can't help as a psychiatrist trying to diagnose him. Which personality does he have? Is it narcissism? Is it psychosis? <laughs> Is
2: it bipolar? PTSD. I, th- from-
0: I think he might have all- everything. <laughs>
2: yeah, kind of I, yeah, I, read, I remember that, that really funny scene from Faulty Towers where there were two psychiatrists staying in Basil Faulty's hotel and they came out of their room one one time to find Basil in a fetal position jumping up and down. And one of the one of the psychiatrists said to the other, there's enough there for a whole conference. And,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. and I In
1: think
2: case, with Dr. Dr. Moron, there's enough there for a week long conference, I think. Yeah, there oh, okay. certainly is, yes. Yeah. Um, um You mentioned um um uh, brother Bob earlier. Um he he started this interview with um, Swamp Boogie. He's an interesting character. Um he uh, we it was just so great to get him. He um, uh, Wayne McDaniel, he's been in quite a few films like um, Superman Returns, Son of Mask, The Sapphires. Um, and to get him was a gold mine. And um, to put his six foot seven against um, Valma's five foot something, um, they make a great pair, as you saw, like the, the, the really short Valma, who's about half his height, really. Um, but yeah, brother Bob. One of my favourite songs in the show is Mission Statement. Uh, it rocks. It just rocks so much, and uh, yeah, it's it's one of the ones. Whenever we set up a film in a cinema, that's the that's the sound test I use, mainly because I just love hearing it over and over again. So I'm just wondering, will we will we cut to Mission Statement? Love to hear, love to hear that. And Brother Bob.
1: That was great. Really enjoyed that. He's a lot of fun. He's a he's a great character to have in this show. He certainly is. Yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, I just love the way the natives get get into it. You know, when he when he says "got to got to um, save the heathen, convert their soul," you he's right. some rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's part of the. That's a really good example, though, of of the way we tried tried to structure this film, because. Um, it, it's a very loose narrative thread. Now, I said on the last night when they dragged me up on stage that I mean, I've been writing plays and directing and producing them for thirty thirty five years. I know all the rules, and I deliberately broke some of them with Moron, and I think that's that's what you're supposed to do. You're we like to
1: break rules
2: here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no, you know, it's chip away at the edges and give the audience something different. So, with Moron, with the whole story of Moron you, the audience, are swept ashore with Edwina and Dougie and basically the, the storyline follows their adventure for one night on this crazy island. And so that's why, you know, halfway through it, you get this crazy preacher singing a song like
1: Mission Statement. There's no other reason for it, but it works, you know. Yeah. And you've got the, the beautiful blonde Edwina who's sort of, Olivia, like Olivia Newton-John from Greece, and she gets on there in leather pants and does her rock song, and I remember yeah. that was yes. fantastic. Um, to, um, that.
2: We're not we're not going to, it won't be a spoiler to say this, but Edwina and Dougie, as you said, they're washed ashore, they're, they're, they're captured by natives, they're just about to be cooked and sacrificed when um, Voodoo Valma gets this great idea, wow, there's a rich man doctor on the other side of the island, Let's um, have an auction and sell sell these to to him for experimental subjects. So Moron buys them, and he drugs Edwina and hypnotizes her, and uh, it's great because Edwina and Edwina and Dougie start the show as this innocent couple um, in their sailing gear from you know being washed ashore, and then we see Edwina wheeled out in this sexy, really tight fitting leather pants and. Black top, as you said, a little bit of Olivia Newton-John from *Grease* type image, and um, yeah, the doctor, the doctor hypnotizes her, lets her go, and tests his power over her against Dougie, her man. And there's a great song that ends um, Act One called um, "Under Doctor's Orders," which um, <laughs> really shows the power of moron. So we'll mm-hmm. come to that. Is that okay? And um, yes. give, give your people a taste of under doctor's orders.
1: They're yeah. going to love this one. Okay. <laughs>
0: ah, yes, wow. the great doctor.
2: <laughs> he, uh, he, Mind he's, control. He, he's a bit of a control freak, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and, um, as we as we travel further into the story, we realise that, um, that, that, as we said, the doctor has a lot of hang-ups, and, and um, there are references to his mother, um, and he spits the word out, "my mother," and because um, she used to leave him in the local, uh, in the in the local cinema, which was called the Oedipus Cinema, uh-huh. um, so <laughs> the psychiatrist and solid. Psychologists might pick up on that um that so there is a, 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 a twisted Oedipal complex going on there with him um but and then he would spit out that you know his mother left him in the theater in the cinema while she went to bingo with all those other men and um so yeah, we find out that um dr moron um has done some pretty mean things to. The pets in the neighbourhood, and they've had to move away, and he's not allowed near any sharp implements as a as a child. <laughs> uh, so you sort of do get the feeling, yes, behind behind that 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 mask, there is a um a fairly twisted sort of soul. And you're right, oh, Lana, just... he's a troll freak. He, he he obviously sees himself as a as a god, as a godlike figure. And um, yes, uh, so <laughs> it does it does make for an interesting character. I mean, in many ways, I've drawn on Gothic, the classic Gothic character who is obsessed with his, you know, his project, like Victor Victor Frankenstein, for example, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, just taken that then to the comic
1: extreme, which works really well. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, there is also a bit of a sadistic
0: theme there with the House of Pain. and Yeah, that was
1: a little bit. I was yeah. cringing a bit on that, even though it was funny. But
2: <laughs> Well, it's so. interesting that um, you mentioned that because H.G. Wells, in his novel, The Island of Dr. Moreau, mentions the House of Pain. Oh, okay. And one of his characters does. What does? And I was a bit worried at first. I thought it's a great line and I thought I want to write a song about that. And we did, um, called the House of Pain. Um, but I didn't use it until I'd researched that term. And this is interesting because I found that Wells borrowed it from um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, who'd written, who'd used that term about 50 years before Wells wrote The Island of Dr. Moreau. And uh, well, um, Emerson was an American philosopher, um, mm. as you probably know. Massachusetts, um, just like me.
1: Sorry? Massachusetts, just like me.
2: Mas- yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and one of the founders of the great American magazine, The Atlantic, which I read religiously. Yes. Um, but um, Waldo, in one of his essays, said he has seen but half the universe who has not uh, seen or been to the house of pain. And wow. um, Moron uses that line. Um, in his judgment over one of his failed creatures. And uh, he says to Cheetah, you, my poor Cheetah, my poor, poor Cheetah, have mm. seen but half my universe take mm. this miserable creature away to the house of pain. And, um, yeah, so, yes, it is macabre. Yes, it is a bit sadistic, Um but you've got to
1: ride with it, and, 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 and I guess
0: it's consistent with his character, uh, isn't it?
1: And, and oh. nobody got hurt in the making of this production. So <laughs> no. No, uh, animals, no animals, people. were hurt, and no
2: people who were turned into animals
1: were hurt. No, it's
2: all no, tastefully right. done. Yeah.
1: And, yeah. But the cheetah—that's one of your favorite characters as well. Lana loves the cheetah because mm. she's 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 in love with Doctor Moron, and she. Oh know, no, no, it.
0: she
2: wasn't she a cat?
1: Yes, you are talking about Mona. Oh, Mona.
2: sorry, Mona. Mona yes, yes. Right. She, she was only just a cat, and that was that's one of the problems that Moron has with Mo, Mona. Mona is just absolutely unequivocally in love with Moron and completely dedicated to him, totally loyal to him. That moron, being Moron, treats her like dirt um, and regards her as just a constant reminder of his failures because, as he says. There's far too much human in you and not enough beast and of course, Mona's this sexy looking woman in this red outfit um and for but for moron that's that's just an indication of his failure um but the Mona gets some great songs in act two um and they basically love songs um that are directed at um uh, dr moron one of my favorite songs another <laughs> favorite song in the in the show. Um, it occurs towards the end where Dr. Moron is um, hes going through a really low spot and uh, Mona, even though Moron has treated her like dirt, Mona is so loyal to him and um, she comes over to him and she sings this song called The Way I Feel For You. Oh, and, that's uh,
0: gorgeous, yes. Yeah, Can we she, listen to that? Well,
2: yes, we'll give your listeners a, a listen okay. to that right now.
0: Beautiful! What a beautiful love song.
2: Yeah, I love it. I just love it. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that um, a lot of the songs in our show have that feel that you've heard them before. In mm. fact, I remember Lani, you when you came over, you guys and introduced yourselves. You said that oh, I've heard some of these on the radio, and David said, "No, you haven't. None of them have been on the radio. They're all original." Um, but but again, we were unashamedly mainstream in everything we did with this show, and um, That's the feel that we wanted to create with the songs. Uh, I might point out that that at at the moment, at the time of recording, we haven't signed up to any major distribution network at all for the songs, for anything to do with the film or the merchandising. We're trying to keep the whole package of Moron very clean because our ultimate goal is to um, find somebody to actually help fund Mm. a major production of this show in London because Mm. we believe it has worldwide appeal. So the film is proving that it's being picked up by film festival selection committees when it, it really doesn't it's like well it's like the round peg in the square hole of selections. It, fit any Crunchy, it doesn't, yeah. fit, it, it doesn't mm. fit any. In fact I had a an email from a lady in um, in Budapest yesterday said, oh, maybe you should put it in the documentary section. And I wrote back, I said, is <laughs> anything but a documentary? <laughs> <Yeah>. That's funny. <laughs> but,
1: yes, yeah.
0: the, the songs The songs are, how should I put it? it they're, each song seems to be different, almost like a different type of genre, mm. but they're all so wonderfully made. It's a tapestry. It, it's sort of like you think, how could I never have heard that song before? Mm. Because the, the you know, you just end catchy. Up very, very catchy, yeah. very catchy. Okay, yeah. um, and Can I ask you in terms of composing the songs, who wrote the songs?
2: My darling wife. Um oh. she's, the musical, she's the musical genius. Um and I'm just the crazy guy that comes up with the lyrics and the structures and everything. And so I mean I'll 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 know when I write the lyrics of a song, I'll know what that song is meant to be, like what it's meant to feel like. Is it blues, rock, is it slow, whatever? Um, I might provide Lynn with just a basic chord structure, but then I just leave it to her to work out the melody, and that's the way we've done it with five rock musicals that we've written. Um, but, um, you've written five, wow. Uh, yeah, one of the songs that um, that we haven't got to yet is called Voodoo Zydeku, and actually it goes to what you were saying then because we defi- we, we wanted to provide a, a, a wide range of, of musical genres, which we did, and including uh, our own take on um, Zydeco music. So this song, Voodoo Zydeco, which we'll cut to in a minute, sung by Balthazar, who is um, Voodoo Velma's right-hand man, and he's he's a real dimwit, absolute <coughs> dimwit. Um, I, there's a classic line in, in the show where Voodoo Valma says to him, is you thinking what I'm thinking, Balthazar? And Balthazar says, you just tell me what to think voodoo lady (laughs) and i'll tink it right away yeah uh, anyway so he sings this song voodoo zydeke which is a bit of a tribute to his boss lady voodoo valma so here we go
1: we've got about two minutes left
0: brilliant brilliant love it absolutely love it
1: I love the acrobatics, the, um, the arrangements, the dance arrangements and everything in this show. It was just, it was so much high energy going on, especially, I mean, the natives are kind of my, my part of my favorite. So look, we're, yeah. we're
0: so happy to be, um, you know, to have you on our show and to, to promote it and all Australian rock musical, you know, one of the most, I think, um, unique musicals I've ever heard. For sure. So um am very proud to be Australian. <laughs> With this touring around the world, we wish you all the best with it. Chris Stockerl, thank you very much for being on Universal Soul Love.
1: Thank you, Lana and, and David. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful. Okay. Well, this is Universal Soul Love. I'm Detective David Love. And Dr. Lana Love. On great B- to
0: have you with us.
1: Broadcasting on the BBS Radio Network from Australia. Have a great week. Have a great week. Bye for Bye. now.